Good morning. It's Saturday. I'm in the office. You know what that means. The Saturday Morning Hustle Podcast. Outworking the competition while they still sleep Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, is not going to get you to the next level. The next big thing is not happening during the week. You got to hustle on the weekend, come in early, stay late, etc. That's what we talk about on this podcast. We hustle, we grind, but we have work-life balance. And I give you real information that you can apply to any pursuit of success, whether you're an entrepreneur, in a career path, as a self-brand, etc. Today is going to be a ton of great examples, funny stories that happened to me in real life that made me come close to almost and sometimes losing opportunities, clients, even jobs. Some of the worst ways that good things went bad for no no real apparent reason, no control of mine to a point. You'll understand each one of these conversations, but they're actually pretty funny stories now that I get to look back on them. Now that it's not something that is uh, completely impacting my life, like losing a job or losing a client, I can have a little bit of fun with the conversation. And together, we can learn some lessons about how these things happen and how to, as usual, like we talk about a lot on this podcast, how to learn the lesson from it, how to Take it to help you move forward, how to improve yourself, maybe see the situation coming in the future, maybe not get yourself into that thing, or, and more important than even that, how to sort of roll with the punches, how to understand that things will happen that are outside your control, that are not what you intended, that shouldn't happen, that really seem relatively dumb or stupid or silly, can turn into a huge lost opportunity, huge effect on your career, on your business. And so you need to be able to, with an attitude, with effort, with focus, move past it, learn the lesson, and then use that to move forward in a better way so that it doesn't happen again, or at least you'll be better prepared for it the next time the dumb situation comes up. I have a bunch of them to talk about today. So even though this is this covers not necessarily my whole 35-year career, but at least the last 10 to 15 years, maybe the last 20 years, because the last 10 years has been the Golden Group, 10 years before that working corporate, uh, 10 years before that working uh, on my own in the music industry, 10 to 15 years. So here we go with some of the dumb, silly, crazy, weird reasons that I nearly lost or lost a client, a job, or an opportunity. Right off the bat, and this one, I like to start with this one because it's the most important one and the most have the most impact on me in my professional career. And so I love telling this story. I had a client who wanted me to do something extremely unethical in their marketing. Essentially wanted me to make a claim that the product did something it absolutely did not do. Now, this claim would have been huge. It would have sold a lot of the product. A lot of people would have been very interested. It probably could have even got some publicity, literally got some press coverage if we had put this marketing campaign out. The problem was the product did not come anywhere near doing what the president of the company wanted the marketing department to say, and I refused to do so. And in that situation, I was basically told, first I was told, no, no, we have backing on this. The backing, the data that they were trying to use was ridiculously bad, and anyone with any common sense would understand that that was unreliable and not something that you should do professionally. So that was number one. Then number two, they tried to tell me that it wasn't my ethical lapse. I was simply doing what the boss told me to. And so 
my ethics would stay intact and that he, I could blame the boss. Wrong. That's not how ethics work. And then number three, finally, you will do this or I'll find someone who will. Not only would I not allow him to find someone else within the department or in the company to put this type of marketing out, did not want to be associated with it at all. I knew the lack of ethics would tarnish my reputation. And I simply told him, you will change course on this or I'll leave today. We agreed, I would leave today. So I lost a job because I was unwilling to be unethical in the practice. But let me tell you, the lesson learned and the benefit that came from it. First of all, I was very happy to lose that job. Not simply because this one activity, this one marketing campaign they wanted to do was unethical. It was very obvious that the leadership, the people in charge were unethical. I did not want to work for those people. Number one. Number two, the very first person that I talked to after leaving this job, literally someone I'd already had lunch plans with, met him for lunch, told him I just left my job because of this, told him this, the, the details, the particulars. Immediately, that person went and told his boss that I had walked out on ethical grounds and that person called me before the end of the day and was offering me a job because he wanted to hire someone who kept their ethics intact and in fact walked out in front of them. Their reputation, their ethical behavior, their, their doing the right thing was more important than keeping the job. I got a job offer the same day. Good job offer with a good boss who's actually a good mentor of mine. So the bad, weird, odd relationship forced me to leave a job. I immediately got a better job with a better boss, but it was a better mentor because I did the right thing. So that was one that was very odd, but very instructional that do not be afraid to stand up for yourself. Do not be afraid to do what's right. Do not be afraid to challenge a boss. And if it means you lose that job, there will be other opportunities. They will be better opportunities and you'll have more room to grow and to do things correctly and more professionally and ethically in the new opportunity. It might hurt in a minute, might have a cash crunch, whatever it is, but do not let someone take away your ethical standards and your reputation and tell you that you can blame it on the situation or whatever it is, or doing it just to keep a job. Don't do that. So that's story number one. Not as funny of a story, unless you know some of the details, but it it turned out the best. And it's something I like to talk about a lot in my uh, conversations about professional development, because ethics and relationships and re- and being in reputation, being able to hold yourself at a, on high steam, hold your head high as a professional is super important. You can't get those things back. So you have to get it right the first time. And a lot of people can be intimidated by a boss or the, or the chance of losing their job into doing something they shouldn't do that they know they shouldn't do. Don't do it. Hold, hold tight and do what is right. Even if that means you lose a job, lose a client, lose an opportunity. I had a client, I had a client who invested a ton of money in a product that then we were doing the marketing for, doing some public relations. We had launched it. They had spent a bunch of money up to this point. They hired us to get into the launch phase. The launch phase was going very well. They were getting a lot of attention as they wanted, as they were supposed to, as they hired us to do. This was through the Golden Group. And then at the same time, though, the person who was footing the bill for all this was in a less than traditional relationship with the person whose idea it was for the product. And the two of them were having some internal issues and then there happened to be a divorce involved and some other factors too. And so finally, the person footing the bill, essentially my client came to me and said, I want to stop 
spending money and effort on promoting this product because I don't need the uh, attention that comes with it, which didn't make any sense. The whole point of spending the money to develop the product and spending money with us to promote it was to gain that attention and to create success. And she was so afraid that that success she would create for the product was going to bring undue attention to her and her relationship and the situations behind the scenes. I tried many ways to explain that we could protect them from that process. And there are plenty of ways, even if she wanted to sell the company or sell the right to the product and let someone else make the money with it and give her another way to make money on it, to be beneficial, to try to regain some of her cost. She simply didn't want to do it because she was uptight about her personal life bleeding over into her business life. So her decision to make, she was the client. She was the person footing the bill. She was the person who would ultimately be negatively effective if the attention were gained. But it was an odd way to lose a client. It was a great client we were spending a lot of time with. We were making a lot of money with and, and from that we lost immediately for no reason of our own. It wasn't our fault, but we had to roll with it. We had to, to move on to the next situation. We also had to be respectful of the wishes of the client. So that was another one that I'd never heard before was actually not wanting to be successful was a reason for us to end our business relationship. Very odd situation. I had one of my first corporate jobs when I transitioned out of the music industry and I got into marketing on the corporate side of things. One of my first corporate jobs, not the very first one, but one of them, the first day I started working, they were actually having a big conference, sales conference for all their people around the country to come together and learn about the products and learn some selling and some marketing and things of that nature. So it's sort of a trade show, but just for the people who worked within the company, it was my first day there to actually show up eight o'clock in the morning and start working was at this conference. So I was meeting my coworkers in the marketing department and everyone else in the company at an offsite facility. So I did, I was eventually trying to find where I was going, trying to find the people that I knew. A lot of the people there had no idea I was part of the company and I was not in a normal situation where the normal parking lot, the normal procedures, the normal security, security protocols, et cetera. While I was trying to get to the facility, the offsite facility, there was a person in front of me driving very slowly, very poorly, what let me around them. I pulled into the parking lot in front of me, continued just to drive slowly, continued to block the lanes, continued to be a problem traffic-wise. And essentially, I got a little heated. It was my first day. I didn't want to be late. I had a little bit of road rage. And I didn't do anything too extreme. I didn't get out of the car, but I made some faces and maybe some hand gestures in the car, trying to tell the person to please get out of my way. Not please, but, you know, more, more aggressively than that. Finally, that person parked. I parked, got out of the car, grabbed my stuff to run into the facility. And behind me, the gentleman who was the problem spoke up and mentioned me by name. Why? Because he worked for the company. He knew who I was from the hiring process. And I had just essentially cursed out someone who was above me and the, the, the chain of command for this company. So I had not been on the job. I hadn't even actually technically gotten onto the job yet. I had not clocked in. I had not reported to my boss. I was not on the job yet. And I had already pissed off someone well above me in the chain of command for this company. Luckily for me, he had a pretty good attitude about it. He had a pretty good sense of humor let it go, didn't actually ever mention it to my boss, but did hold it over my head a few times while I worked there about, well, uh, you know, want me to tell people what kind of person you are. Eventually that, that went away, but I could have got myself fired before I even got into the building. That would have been a missed opportunity to lose that job over something 
like Road Rage. Who knew? I've also, working corporate, speaking of working corporate, had this happen a couple of times in corporate situations. I had two corporate jobs in a row, back to back, that I was hired to build their marketing department. They didn't have any marketing staff, anyone on staff doing marketing. They had no marketing department. All the materials they have were kind of hodgepodge stuff they'd thrown together, a basic website, things like that. So I was hired to create systems and processes and develop all of, all of the things necessary to have a robust marketing department. In both cases, once we got it to a point where it was time to hire people and fill out the roles and every all of the hard work, all of the heavy lifting, all of the, the support work to make a marketing department work, to, to revamp their marketing, to write the marketing plan, to put all the, the, the strategy into place, to do the research analysis, all of that was done. Then they say, well, now that we have this, what do we need you? Because we all know, if you know anything about marketing or running a business at all, that simply because you have things up and running, even if things are going successful, there's going to be change. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be pushback from the market, your competitors. There's going to be things that change in the world. And you need to have good people on staff that are trained up, ingrained in the process, have good processes, et cetera, so that you can adapt and make those changes necessary so that you can continue on successfully, being successful today, having a successful marketing program, have a marketing plan built, having a strategy in place, having the systems isn't enough. The people who know how to do it have to be there, have to be involved. And in essence, because the heavy work was done, the hard work was done, and now what looked like it was the easy part made them think that they could get away with doing it themselves, how they were doing it before, or maybe hire someone for less money. I think we all know, I don't think I have to explain to you if you're listening to this podcast, that the idea of bring in someone cheaper now that the hard part is done and expecting it to run on autopilot is unrealistic approach to business. So both cases, yes, if you think you can do it better without me, you go ahead. And if you think I made it look easy, understand it's not because it's easy. It's understand because I have 10, 20, 30 years of experience that you don't have. And if you hire someone with that kind of experience, you'll have to pay them what you pay me. So the idea of spending money, marketing spends money, it was costing us money to do things, costing money to employ me was negative for them. And they needed to not spend as much money, even though there was benefit, there was ROI, there was, there was, you got to spend money to make money. We were making the money. So had marketing departments completely closed because they thought they didn't need any more because it got them to a certain point. Of course, they, that was wrong. They needed to sustain that. Had marketing departments or junior members of the marketing department get promoted up because what I was doing, I made it look easy and surely they could do it for less money. And then also had marketing departments completely closed because it was a loss on the books. It looked like somewhere that um, from just a accounting standpoint, there was a lot of money being spent and not being returned in direct sales. Of course, sales don't happen without advertising, without public relations that come from the marketing strategy. The marketing department has to run that. You have to spend money on marketing in order to make money in sales and other conversion processes. It starts by spending money to make money in the marketing department. They all made these same mistakes. The last one was actually seeing a huge return, actually a 15 to one return for every dollar spent. They were seeing 15 in new sales, not sales for the year, but traditional sales that were established for them plus new sales, 15 to one. For every $1,000, for every $10,000, for every $100,000, they were seeing $15,000, $150,000 return. Which instead of them being appreciative of a 15 to one return, which if you know anything about marketing and sales, that's a huge 
huge number, huge impressive number. Instead of being happy with a 15 to 1 return, they thought to themselves, well, if you can do 15 to 1, why aren't you doing 20 to 1 or 30 to 1? Or can't you do 15 to 1, but we don't actually spend the 1? Again, they didn't want to spend the money to make the money, even though it was a ratio, every dollar in made you 15. And they, the combination of, they thought that made it look easy. Again, because I had 20-something years of experience, because I have worked really hard at it, and I'd built up a system that could adjust along the way. It would eventually have to adjust. Though None of those companies are still in business in the same form that they were before. Someone else owns them. Well, they're out of business now because they all made huge mistakes about what to do, about marketing, how to spend their money, what kind of returns they need to see. And if it looks easy, then surely anyone could do it. They all made those mistakes. Again, actually being successful was the problem. So I didn't lose a job. I didn't lose an opportunity. I didn't have to move on to something else because I couldn't do that job because I couldn't keep up because I couldn't meet the demand or the expectations. I was actually outpacing all the expectations and beating demand, sometimes 10 and 15 to 1. And bad decision-making by leadership and management led them to think they could do it without me. And so I was moved on. Every time, I was very angry about it. But each time, got a little bit less angry and shorter time period in my head as to how I got over it and moved on to the next one. The first time it happened, I moved on to the next one. Second time it happened, moved on to the next one. That last time, I decided I would never go back to corporate marketing again, which is how I started the Golden Group. The same day I lost my last corporate job, immediately went again to lunch. There's a, there's a theme here of going to lunch after getting let go. Went to lunch, one of my favorite places near my house where I know the owner and the staff there were telling them this crazy story of how 15 to 1 wasn't good enough. It needed to be 20, 25 to 1, and they needed to see better returns on their investment, even though they were seeing huge returns on their investment. Does that made it look easy somehow? The owner of that business said, well, if you can do that for them, can you do that for me? I would hire you tomorrow. Immediately he went home. You guys have heard this story on the podcast before. Went home, put together some ideas, put together the outline of a business plan, put a proposal together, came back the next day and obtained my first client for the Golden Group. The Golden Group was launched on the back of that single client. So the disadvantage, the missed opportunity, the lost job, turned into a new opportunity, a different opportunity, an unexpected opportunity, something I was, I was thinking about doing. And I talked to my business partners and we thought about doing some things. There was a little bit of a side hustle happening. So it didn't come completely out of the blue, but it didn't happen on my timetable. I wasn't the one driving the, this is going to happen today. The former boss drove the decision-making on the timing, but then ironically, another opportunity came up. So again, Losing a job. Every person listening to this podcast has or will lost a job. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's downsizing. Sometimes it's layoff. Sometimes it's your, your, your department closes. Sometimes the boss changes. Sometimes you have personality conflicts. Sometimes you got a job a little early and you actually can't meet up to the expectation and you need to move on. And it's better if you do. Move to the right opportunity. Find the right combinations. Find the right culture find where it fits, find where you make sense. It, people will tell you don't job hunt and don't job hop and don't have gaps in your resume and don't leave a good job just because you have a bad boss. Bullshit. Leave a bad job for a bad boss. Leave a bad job for a boss who wants you to be unethical. 
leave something that's not the right scenario. I'm not talking perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. Don't get me wrong there. But find ways that make sense, jobs that make sense for you, that you can grow into, that you can do well, that when you do well, it's not seen as negative, it's seen as positive, that appreciate the efforts, the returns that you're giving them, and you're developing yourself, you're learning lessons along the way as the company is learning lessons, as you're adapting their business plan, as you're adapting their marketing plan, as you're going through the processes, as you're learning, then reestablishing that for the back of the company, but you keep those skills to yourself forever, so you develop yourself along the way as well. So you can also be too honest with your boss. I've definitely got myself in trouble with bosses and with clients by being too honest with them, with telling them that their ideas are not right, but explain why. Tell them why something they're suggesting has been done before and why it won't work this time. Explaining why. Again, you can't just be negative all the time. You can't say no all the time, but you have to explain why you're saying no. Try to educate the boss, the client, the person you're talking to. You also can't say yes all the time. If you say yes to your boss, I want to make the boss happy. I don't want to ever tell the boss no because the boss is going to expect me to say yes. Well, guess what? You're going to be tasked with things that you cannot accomplish. You're going to be trying to meet expectations you cannot meet because you are not willing to say no or maybe not like that or I understand what you want, but here's how we'll go about it. Some adaptation to what the boss asked for. So be willing to say no. Do not become a yes man and understand if you say no enough even if you're right, even if you can back it up with data, if you can give reasons why it shouldn't happen, you still might lose a job. You might lose a client. You might lose an opportunity. I have lost many opportunities, probably more opportunities up front that I never even knew exactly what the opportunity was. Plenty of clients, plenty of opportunities I missed out on because the initial conversation, the initial proposal, I told them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. Again, setting the expectation of how our working relationship would go. I didn't, I wanted to achieve the opportunities. I wanted to make the money. I wanted to have the paycheck. I wanted to be successful with projects, with how many clients I was working with, but I didn't want it to be a bad relationship, a negative relationship with expectations I couldn't meet with something that wasn't going to work out in the long term. So skipping short-term economic gains and a line on a resume or a, a client you can list on your website typically isn't worth the frustration, the additional effort, and the ultimate breakup that you'll have with the opportunity that isn't right for you, for your business, for your for your job description, et cetera, for your skill set. So find those right combinations that are right. Say no as much as you need to. And again, no's go better if you can explain, if you can give some information, some alternatives, or some education. Say yes when it makes sense. Do not be the person who always says no. Do not be the person who always says yes. And if you missed opportunities, it was I found now 35 years of doing the, of doing business, of running business, of running business, of looking for and trying to obtain opportunities, uh, potential, put things together, make things work. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to explain yourself. Sometimes you have to be smart and be conservative and understand that the opportunity is wrong, that the boss is not the right boss, the client is not the right client. I've been there many, many times before as well. To the point now I have with my clients that we do work with, what I call the three strike rule. If they ask for something that's a bad idea, I will tell them why it's a bad idea and why they're strike one. If they ask for it again, if they insist upon it, if they get to the, I'm the client, here's what I want. Again, trying to facilitate the, what you're trying to actually achieve can be done this way, or here's some education or some enlightenment as to what the process should look like, as opposed to what the way you're describing it as strike two. The third time they say, I heard you the first time, 
You've explained yourself deeper the second time. It's the third time I am the client. I want what I want. Strike three, you're out. You get what you want. But at that point, I'm probably trying to find a way for us to not work together because the, it's supposed to be a two-week relationship. It's supposed to go back and forth. You're supposed to tell me what you're expecting. I will tell you how to meet those expectations. We find a way to be beneficial, to create return on investment, to be profitable, to be beneficial for everyone, a win-win scenario. If you can't find and create and sustain win-win scenarios, it's not the right situation, whether it's your job, whether it's a, a side gig, whether it's freelancing, or whether that's your main business, you're the business owner. If you can't find the right opportunity to do things the right way for the right reasons to create sustainable win-win scenarios, you need to find other ways to create win-win scenarios, which is typically a different opportunity, a different client. If you're at work, the opportunities aren't there. You're not going to be able to grow, expand, do better in that role and the job because of a boss, because of the chain of command, because of the structure, because of the systems, whatever it is, you need to find something else that makes more sense for your life and your career. Now, it's risky, it's scary, and it's something that in the moment, you just don't know if you should or not. I have the benefit of hindsight in all these scenarios of telling you that every time I've done it, I've moved on to better things and it's worked out better and lessons were learned and I'm better at it. I'm better at negotiating the front side now because I've had bad backsides. I have better entries because I've had bad exits, et cetera. And also literally priced myself out of opportunities too high and too low, believe it or not. You can price yourself too low. And I've had this happen specifically where the client I really wanted, really wanted to work with, been over backwards in the, in the initial process to gain the business with estimates and with, with proposals and things of that nature, where I gave them a lot more than I was charging them for. There was a lot of cost I was going to eat. There was a lot of things that I thought, if I charge less now, I'll make it up on the backside because I think this will be sustainable. This will be something that we'll be doing for a long time. I'll find opportunities to create win-wins and create profitability for both of us and ultimately didn't get the client, didn't get the project and found out later through various resources. We didn't get it because we were not in the upper tier of cost. And that doesn't make sense, right? People want to pay less for things, right? To a point. And there's what's called perceived value. And so my perceived value was higher until I lowered my cost. And that lowered cost, even though they never said, you should be charging more than that, of course, until after the fact. But because I was willing to cut cost because I wanted the client up front, I priced myself out of the perception of being of the quality of the other applicants. They ended up paying a lot more for good work, not the kind of work we would have done for them. And of course, we always think we do better than anyone else. But I missed opportunities because I priced myself too low. Essentially, the lesson to learn is I broke my own rules. I didn't use the formula that I'd built for myself for my business. I tried to get outside of what worked for me in order to, for lack of a better term, trick the client into going with us. And by not doing what I knew to do, by not sticking to my norms, by not sticking to my process, by not doing what I do on a regular basis for the right reasons, didn't get the client who probably wouldn't have worked out anyways because I had to take all these shortcuts and cut corners in order to try to get them in the door. That's the lesson there is give someone your best price up front and stick to it. Don't let them talk you down. Let them talk you back off of it. That's not the client, right client for you. They don't value you. Don't devalue yourself 
going into the situation thinking that will get your foot in the door and that it'll work out later in the future. There are times to do stuff for less or even for free in order to establish a relationship, but those are few and far between. They need to be very specific to the client and to what you're trying to achieve in general. Stick to your processes, run the numbers that you run, give people consistent estimates and valuations, et cetera, earn their respect and earn more business from them in the future, not making up because you gave them a discount up front. It's a bad way to run your business. I have learned that through specific times. I've missed opportunities and found out later that I, in, in fact, more often than not, underpriced myself out instead of overpricing myself out. Overpricing means they weren't probably going to be able to afford you anyways. Either they weren't budgeting correctly or they just didn't have enough for what it is you bring to the table. They needed a different relationship with a different provider. And that's fine because that's going to work out longer, better for them in the long run. It's going to work out less for you in the long run because they were never going to be able to rise to your level. It's okay that you outclass and outlevel certain situations so you just can't go back to. But always be open to the process. But remember who you are, what your rules are, how you got to them, the information that you have, the background, all the things that make you decide how things should be, how much you should charge, how many hours should you work, the services you will offer and not offer. That's a big failure too. A lot of times people will, we don't really do that, but we'll do it just for you. You're not going to do it great. You're not going to do it well. Something you should subcontract out or find a way or say, we'll do these things, but not that. That's not what we do. Clients actually are usually very comfortable with that and they appreciate the honesty. So there's an opportunity for you to be honest. So do not undervalue yourself, undervalue yourself, your product, your services. Do not break your own rules and be honest upfront. Again, don't be the yes, ma'am. Don't be the no person either. Be honest, explain yourself and find situations that work. When you can't meet the expectations, find a different opportunity. When the client doesn't meet your expectations, let them find a different opportunity. This is a two-way conversation, the two-way street of doing business together. So there you go. There's just a few examples of different things that have happened to me in my life. If you want to know some more specific details about some of the crazier stories I've been through, DM me. I'll tell you all about it. At the same time, whatever you want to hear on this podcast, topics and situations and tips and tricks and anything you want to know on this podcast, hit me up on social media. Let me know all about it. I appreciate you guys listening, streaming, subscribing, watching the YouTube videos each and every week. I appreciate it very much. Leave a review, leave a comment, share with a friend. I would appreciate that so much. Make sure you get your Saturday Morning Hustle, Entrepreneur AF, and Coffee and Donuts swag as well at SaturdayMorningHustle.com. All of the previous posts, all the previous episodes are there as well. It's Saturday. I'm in the office. This is the podcast for anyone willing to come in early, stay late, and do whatever it takes to become that next big thing. It's all in your hands. You just got to work hard, work smart, be consistent. You can do it. You can be successful if you put your mind to it and put the effort in. See you next week. Saturday. Saturday.